right, I want to welcome all of our campuses to the second week of our series entitled Hope Again. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? Man, we're excited to have you guys. Baton Rouge to Biloxi, all those in our St. Tammany Parish Jail, Orleans Justice Center, Hancock County Jail as well. We're honored to have you with us. We are in a series, again, it'll be six weeks long. Every year at this time, I do a series, it's called A Spiritual growth campaign. And here's the thing. There's actually three parts. Number one, I teach six messages on the weekend. Number two, we have thousands of people. By the way, we have about a thousand small groups, close to 10,000 people at all of our campuses and small groups. So it's weekend messages. Then in the small groups, we study the same thing, but go deeper. And then number three, we all read a 40-day devotional together. I want to encourage you, it's not too late to get into a small group. I trust it'll be helpful for you. Today I want to talk to you about a very interesting message. I want to talk to you about a message entitled The Not So Good News. I never forget when I was in college, I was in an English class and the English teacher stood up and said the most powerful form of English language is comparing and contrasting. Last week we talked about the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The gospel is the life. Everyone say life. Everybody say death. Everybody say burial. Everybody say resurrection. Here it is. The gospel is the good news of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We said last weekend that the gospel is a message. Watch this. That in that message is the power of God to change a human heart. What is our part? Our part is not to produce the message. Our part is to believe the message. And what I also said last week is that there is an outworking of the gospel. I think one of the misunderstandings that we often have is that we see the works. We see helping people. We see feeding the poor. We should do all these things, but that's not the gospel. That's actually the outworking of the gospel. So we have the message of Christ, the message of the gospel. There's power in that for those that believe who Christ is, what his life was. He was sinless. His death on the cross, he died in our place. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. That is the gospel, the message of Christ. Today I want to talk to you about the not-so-good news. It's interesting, I was reminded of this story, a funny story actually, about a man and a woman who had been married for more than 60 years. They shared everything. And they had no secrets between them. Matter of fact, there's actually only one. And this lady had this shoe box, and she kept it in her closet at the very top. And she told her husband, I don't want you to ever look in there. I don't want you to ever ask me about it. That's my only secret. Well, she's to the point of death. She's about to die. And her husband comes up to the hospital bed and said, honey, you know, I, I'm trying to get all of our you know, affairs in order here. And I, I, I think it's appropriate at this time. I've honored you, your word, but I think it's appropriate at this time for me to ask, you know, like I need to get that shoebox down, find out what's in it, if there's any discussion. And she says, you can do that. She says, honey, the reality is, is that when I, when you and I got married 60 years ago, my grandmother told me that whenever I was disappointed with you and got angry with you, that so that I didn't react, I would just go in my room and make a crochet doll. And in that box, you're going to see that there's, there's some dolls. So he goes to the room and he pulls the box down and he opens it up. And, and he was so excited because there was only two crochet dolls. He says, this is amazing. I am a fantastic husband. 
He said, I do have one question. There is a wad of money. There's like, matter of fact, there's $95,000 in there. What is that? She says, well, that's the money that I made from actually selling all the other dolls. <laughs> How many know none of us are that good? You know what I'm talking about. Last week, we spent some time looking at what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. We also learned about the Apostle Paul. We're reading in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8. It's a six-week series. I love the book of Romans. Theologians believe it's the greatest explanation of the gospel, the book of Romans. Who wrote it? Paul wrote the book of Romans, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We looked at last week the man Paul, the mission that he had, and the message, the message of the gospel. Today, my message is entitled, The Not-So-Good News. As I dive back into the book of Romans, again, <clears throat> I'm not going through every verse. I'm going to touch most of the verses. My aim and my goal as your pastor is to get you to go home and say, man, you know, Pastor Steve's teaching through Romans. I want to go dig deeper. By the way, that's actually uh, something that I would love to hear. Like Acts chapter 17, you're a noble Berean. They searched out the scriptures. As they heard the apostles teach, they searched out. As you hear a pastor teach, you ought to go home and say, well, I want to study that a little bit more. That's a win for a pastor, by the way. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, we're going to look at today. One thing, I'll begin by saying this, one thing that makes Christianity distinct from all other religions is the fact that we have a Savior. I want to say that again. One thing that makes Christianity distinct from all other religions is the fact that we have a savior. Like all other religions, we have a holy book, the Bible. Like all other religions, we have a place of worship. We call them churches. Other religions call them different things. Like all other religions, we have teachers and preachers that proclaim out of the book the message of that particular religion. The reality is, though, there is no other world religion like Christianity because in our religion, what we believe is we don't just have a book. We don't just have places of worship. We don't just have teachers and preachers. We actually have something unique. We have something unique to our faith, and that is we actually have, well, we'll we have a Savior. We, we don't have just a religious leader that we look to that said, here's the way. We actually said, we read in our holy book that we have a savior that says, listen, I am the way. That is unique. Not just teaching about how to get to God, but actually teaching I'm the way to God. That is so unique. I read a recent study that was staggering. You guys can look it up. George Barner, who is a statistician, a demographer, someone that studies belief systems and particularly unique to Christianity, does a lot of research about Christianity. I, I read something really disappointing that 58% of born-again Christians, listen to what I'm about to say, that 58% of born-again Christians believe that there's actually different ways to God other than Christ. They've chosen to believe that Jesus is the way for them, but they also believe there's other ways for other people. Let me talk about why that's such a, a staggering thought. If you believe that there's other ways to God other than through Christ, then you actually believe that, that there's no need for a Savior. And if you really believe that there's other ways to God 
other than through Christ. See, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, if you don't believe that you need a Savior to have a relationship with God, then you actually believe that you don't have a sin problem. Because if you don't have a sin problem, then you don't need a Savior to save you from sin. Then why don't you just kind of do better, try harder? Just think for a moment. If you believe there's another way to God then there must be another way to God without a Savior. We don't believe that, but half of the Christians in America do. It's a staggering thought. It's a staggering thought. This is central to how we view our need for salvation. The interesting thing is, if most people believe, this is what's so sad about this. That means that 50% of Christians actually believe that we are good people who occasionally do bad things apart from Christ. And that one day when you get to stand before God, you know, God just kind of judges it out. Like, hey, hey, man, good to see you. Glad you made it. Well, do you want to get in? All right, let's open your hands. All right, let's weigh out your good and your bad. You did some good things. You fed some poor people. You did some good things. You were kind. You wrote thank you notes when you got graduation gifts after high school. That was nice. Oh, gosh, man, you read red light. Oh, geez, man, you did some bad things. There were some immoral things. Oh, God, well, it's going to be close. Wait a minute. All right, come on, come on. Peter, keep bringing them, keep bringing them. Bring the VCR. I know you don't know what that is if you're not my age. Bring that, bring it, bring it. Okay, let's play the rerun. Oh, is there going to be more bad than good? More bad than good. Ooh, there's just a little bit more good than bad. I think they made it. That is not the gospel. No, 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 no. God doesn't get up there and weigh out all of our good and bad. But if you believe there's other ways to God, then you actually have to subscribe to that thought. And it's not biblical. No, 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 no. We are not good people who occasionally do bad things. It's not according to the Bible. Today, I want to teach you the starting point for our understanding of the difference that Christ has made in our lives and build upon the premise that it's not popular today in our culture. Matter of fact, it's actually not popular in a lot of churches. This message is a tough message, but it's a good message because the good news isn't good news until you understand the bad news. But when you understand the bad news, oh gosh, our need for God, and then you understand the great good news, oh, how beautiful the good news is. Even if you're a religious person and possibly... A Christian, you may struggle with this biblical concept. The promise is this. And I want to spend a little time with you today because Paul spends a little time with the church at Rome today. Step number one in understanding the Gospels is friends, apart from Christ, listen to me, apart from Christ, you are not a good person who occasionally does bad things. That's not what the Bible says. Scripture says that you and I are sinners apart from Christ. In other words, according to the Bible, we are bad people who occasionally do good things apart from Christ. If you really believe that you're a good person apart from Christ and that you occasionally do bad things, then why don't you just be good all the time? Stop lusting. Just just stop it. Stop lying. Stop stealing. Matter of fact, if you go to a counselor, go to the counselor, pay whatever the fee is. And if we really believe that most that, that, that people are good, that occasionally do bad things apart from Christ, they're just good. They're intrinsically good. Then just go to the counselor, pay the fee, and the counselor should say, okay, tell me this. You got this problem, this problem, this problem. Okay, all right, here's my counsel. Here's my advice. Just stop it. Don't do it anymore. The problem is that's not how it works. 
And the reason why that's not how it works is because there's this proclivity in the human heart. Yes, we are infinitely valuable to God. The imago Dei, we're made in the image of God. The likeness, the dominion of God. But, but the Bible writers say that our hearts, our hearts are not good apart from Christ. Yeah, tough message. I know we don't want to admit this. It's not popular. We are born sinners. Now, I know some people say, ah, I don't believe that. Well, then you don't have children. Because <laughs> if you have children, you don't have to teach them, you know, to be selfish. It just comes out. There's that emergence of that little Adamic nature. So, if you believe that there's other ways to God, then what you actually believe is there's no need for a savior. And what you do believe is that God grades on a curve. And when you get to heaven, that God's gonna weigh out your good and your bad, and hopefully you've done more good than bad so that you can get in. In other words, you also don't believe that you're a sinner. You believe that God evaluates you based upon your works and not his work. That's not the gospel. This is what Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to Romans chapter 3, verse 20. A couple more things and I'll jump into the text. It's interesting today when a, like a political leader messes up or some leader messes up, you know, and, 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 they, and, they, and they commit a sin. You know, you don't say that in culture today. It's a mistake. I, I made a mistake. No, 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 no. You sin. A mistake is you missed the U-turn. Do you understand that? You, we, we shift, etymologically, we've shifted terms. Why? Because a mistake feels so much better. No, that's called, a mistake is you forget a comma. Does that make sense? Immorality is not a mistake. It's called sin. Because if you understand sin and you admit your sin, then you see how great the Savior is to save us from our sin. Are you with me? Jesus doesn't cleanse you from mistakes. He cleanses you from sin. Your English teacher may cleanse you from your mistake, your comma. Ooh, pastor. It's in the Bible. The reality is, is that the starting point for understanding the greatness of the gospel is understanding our need for the gospel. This is what Paul is dealing with. Three common excuses that people make about why, why they don't think that they're sinners. Number one, first one is, I didn't know, so I'm not responsible. Pastor, what if somebody's on an island somewhere and they never hear about Jesus and they never, they never, they've not gone through the Hope Again series at Church of the King. They didn't get in a small group. They didn't get a direct Facebook message from you that said, please come. So what happens to them? Paul addresses it right here. Romans chapter one, verse 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. They're clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without, everybody say that next word, say it, without what? Excuse. Every person who's ever lived in any place, anywhere in the world, the Bible says that creation speaks to them of God, the creator. Watch this. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul, Paul knew part of the audience he was addressing was a pagan culture. People that were 
stumbling after God in the darkness. They had no reference point. They didn't grow up as Jewish people. They didn't have a monotheistic view of God. They, they didn't grow up with a Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. They, they, they had no frame of reference. He was preaching in that imperial, or he was preaching, writing to that imperial city that, that, that grew up as Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And he was talking about, he was addressing the fact that, that this question, by the way, it's an apologetic question today. What, is, what do I mean by that? It, it is, a, is a question that people have today. What happens to someone on an island that's, that's never heard about Christ and pastor? What happens if they never had a Bible and what happens? The good news is, is that Paul addresses that right here. The Bible is what's called particular, special revelation. But when you look at creation, it's the general revelation that there's a creator. Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. There really is no atheists. There's hurt people that deny God. I had a conversation this week. I was traveling with one of our elders in our church, and we were at a, uh, a place in an airport in Oklahoma, and I, I, we were getting a hamburger, and, and it was interesting. We talked to the waiter, a nice personality guy came up, and he said, he said, uh, he asked us, I don't know how we got into the conversation, but I shared a little bit, you know, I'm a Christian, and I'm a pastor, and we're here, and I, I was speaking there, and and he goes, oh, yeah, I don't believe in God. There's no God. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus. Now, that's the beginning of the conversation. But I went a little bit deeper, and I probed a little bit deeper. And what really was the bottom line was not that he didn't believe there was a God. It's that he got disappointed because of the hypocrisy of people in church. The issue wasn't he had a problem with God. The issue is he had a problem with the followers of God. And his eyes are in the wrong place. We're all going to disappoint people. But the reality is he was hurt in his heart. So now he and in his mind rationalized there must be no God based upon the fact that the people who say they follow God do not live up to what they should be living. The Bible says that in our hearts we know there's eternity. In other words, when you look at a mountain peak, you know and I know there's a creator. That's not just slime plus time. And that humanity just, they just, they just kind of emerged out of the primordial ooze. And that was just, no, no, that there is an, inter, you and I are made in the image of God. And there is the handiwork of God around us. And mankind, listen, by the way, you can hide the Bible, you can burn Bibles, but you can never run from your conscience. You can never run from your conscience. Regardless of what culture does with the Bible, culture can't run from their conscience. They're made in the image of God. Yeah. Paul is dealing with that right here. Paul is dealing with that right now. Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. When you and I look at creation, it bespeaks of something of a creator. Mankind is made by God to know there is a God. And they have to go to great lengths to suppress that truth. So, pastor, what happens? What happens if somebody doesn't have the Bible? What happens if somebody doesn't hear about Christ? And I believe that Paul is clear that people are judged according to the light that they had. Yeah. The goodness of God. Yeah. Paul is addressing right here. A very critical thing for Gentiles. The truth is we are all accountable to God because of our conscience before God. But God is our creator. He is the one who has made us. Number two, the second 
excuse that Paul was dealing with is that, well, I'm not as bad as they are. You ever heard that one before? Not as bad as them. I, I never forget when I was at Tulane, I was sharing Christ. I became a Christian my freshman year in college, and I'm sharing Christ with people. And they, they always go to something. By the way, Paul deals with it right here. Paul deals with the thing that I'm going to share in just a moment. Paul deals with right here, right here. Three common excuses. Watch this. Here's the second one. Paul dealt, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O oh man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practices the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? What he was dealing with is that people were evaluating their rightness with God based upon their behavior before God. In other words, I'll go back to Tulane University and never forget when I heard that first, one of the first conversations I had with somebody. See, the You've got to share with somebody that they're a sinner before they need a savior, that God loves them, God cares for them, that they, but their need, unless somebody admits their need, then, there's no, then they can't understand why they need a savior. So here's the universal thing. Let me say this. I know there's people that watch us around the world, but in America, here is basically the common retort to when somebody asks them, are they a sinner? Do they need Christ? Here's what they'll say. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm a sinner. Well, I'm not. I'm oh. not. Uh, I'm not, watch this, it's universal and we're all gonna answer the same way. You guys ready? Well, I'm not that bad of a person. After all, you know where I'm going. I mean, I've never, why don't we just all fill in the blank together, right? We're all gonna do this together, all the campuses. Let's just all do this because this is the common answer that people have. I'm not that bad. I mean, after all, I've never what? Say it, one, two, three, I've never what? killed anyone. Well, just aren't you a Sunday school teacher? <laughs> Which is just wonderful. What are they saying? Here's what they're saying. They're comparing their goodness with somebody else's badness. What do they believe? They fundamentally don't believe they need a savior because you don't need a savior unless you understand that you're a sinner. And if you believe that God grades on a curve and he kind of weighs out, you know, you kind of helped people, but you kind of were jerk here and kind of helped people, but you're jerk here. More jerk than help, more jerk than help, more jerk than help. Eh, Peter, what do you think? Come on, let's just game. Are y'all with me? That's so crazy. I thank God it's level at the cross. Let me just tell you something. It's level ground at the cross. There is none righteous, no, not one in and of their own strength. Apart from Christ, we're not good people that occasionally do bad things. Apart from Christ, we're bad people that occasionally do good things. Paul was dealing with this right here. He says that we are all under condemnation. We are all un we're all in the same boat. I know this is tough for some people to believe this. I, I know it's hard, but... But, but if you don't understand your need for Christ, if you don't understand your need for God, if you don't understand your need for a Savior, Jesus is not just a heavenly genie that just come down to kind of breathe on your dreams. First, he's that Lord and say it, Savior. Why do you need a Savior? You need a Savior because you have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. Are you with me? We've got to understand this. 
And I know it's not popular, but, but, but I believe there's lots of people that go to church and are not born again because they've never recognized that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Oh, oh, but when you get born again, oh, there's a reorientation of your... By the way, that's next week. When you get saved, why do we need a Savior? Because we, we have a sin problem, and I, we all have it. Oh, and then all of a sudden you see the Savior, the greatness of God. So there is no other way to God except through Christ because he is our Savior. No human being measures up to God's requirement of righteousness based upon their behavior. When you come to God, you don't bring all your good. You bring all your bad. When you come to God, you bring all your failures. You bring everything to God. And he forgives you and he saves you. Number three, the third common excuse is this. Oh, this is big. You guys ready? Here it is. My family has been Christian for generations. I love being an American. I live in America. I appreciate all the freedoms that I have, but this is a very important thing, a very important thing that I'm about to say. In Romans chapter 2, verse 17 to 29, Paul makes it very clear that Jews aren't helped by their heritage. Paul lists three privileges rightly claimed by Jews, belonging to the chosen people. One, two, reliance on the law. Three, a special relationship with God. While all these things are commendable, they're honorable, and they're wonderful, those things do not make you right with God. Your uncle being a deacon at a Baptist church doesn't make you right with God. It's wonderful. And I hope uncle prayed for you. My parents were Christians. Still Christians, they love Christ and, and thank God. And, and it's wonderful to have a Christian heritage and, and thank God that they've been able to pray and teach principles. But, 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 but you still have to receive Christ personally yourself. You don't get into heaven based on, you guys remember in the 70s and 80s, they talked about it a lot, secondhand smoke. Y'all remember secondhand smoke? Y'all remember secondhand, don't raise your hand. Y'all remember, okay, yeah. Okay, remember, you remember you could die from secondhand, it's more Okay, let me tell you something. I understand the dynamic there, but let me tell you, there is really no secondhand faith. Secondhand faith doesn't save you. You've got to have primary, firsthand faith where you personally trust Christ as your Savior. Where you personally. Well, how's that guy? He's a good man. Grew up in a good Christian home. Good people. Wonderful you grew up in a Christian. But did you receive Christ personally? Did you trust Christ have you ever come to the foot of the cross where you're broken over your sin and you've confessed Christ as your Savior? I did. My parents were great Christian people. Loved God. Prayed for me. My mom prayed for me. My mom did pray. They prayed so much for me. I was on every prayer list in America in 1980s. But my mom's prayer could not save me. Only Christ could and I had to choose to receive Christ. And Paul said this, it's, it's, we, we are proud of our heritage in a right sense. I, I thank God. But, but at the end of the day, there is only first-hand faith. First-hand faith. Paul's point is our past, our lineage, although be it honorable, it can't save us. It's Jesus plus nothing. I remember when I gave my heart to Christ, October 27, 1987. I gave my heart to Jesus. I personally had to trust Christ. But first, I personally had to admit my need for Christ. That there's not a whole bunch of ways to God. There's only one way. Please hear what I'm saying. This is, there's only one way. Because the only one way that I'm talking about is through a Savior. 
If you believe there's other ways to God, then you believe that there's no need for a Savior. And you really believe that you're a good person that every now and then does bad. But according to the Bible, Romans chapter 3, verse 9, what then? Are we better than they? We can't compare. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. It's all level at the cross. The foot of the cross. Are we better than they? No, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, apart from Christ. That's why John chapter 14, I'll close with this. Jesus said, I am the way. Everybody say the way. I'm the way. I am the truth. Everyone say truth. Everyone say the life. What separates Christianity from every other religious system? Every other religious system, if you'll do enough, if you go on this pilgrimage, if you'll go to that place, if you'll do enough good, if you'll help enough people, if you'll self-purify, flagellate yourself, if you'll go through these rituals and dietary things, if you can just do enough, then, then, then when you get to God, hopefully, hopefully, you've done enough good to outweigh your bad. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is we need a Savior. We need a Savior because we're sinners apart from Christ. And when I trusted Christ in 1987, I, I, I admitted that. I admitted I need Christ. You need Christ. We need Christ. Jesus is the Savior of sinners. He doesn't save people that think that they don't need Him. But when they recognize their need for Christ, Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Every campus right now, those that are joining us online, I sense the Holy Spirit right now. God loves you. The good news is so good when we understand the not so good news. Before we go any further, I just want to just, I just want to ask you, are you right with God? Have you made excuses? Have you not confessed your need for God? Or maybe you've relied upon the fact that you came from a good Christian home, which is wonderful, but that doesn't save you. Paul said our lineage is honorable, it's wonderful, it's commendable, but it doesn't say there's only firsthand faith. Have you personally trusted Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Yeah. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today that I'm ready to stand before God. I'm going to pray for you. It's not about joining our church right now. It's not about signing up for anything right now, some class. It's about you confessing your need. The Bible says all have sinned, all. You've sinned, I've sinned. All of us have sinned. Our righteousness works never measure up to us being acceptable to God in our own strength. It's Christ who saves us. It's Christ who redeems us. That's called grace. God does for us what we never could do for ourselves. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? Have you been forgiven? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is dealing with hearts at all of our campuses. Right now, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Just lift your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you guys up top. God bless you, sir, right here. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you right there. God bless you, buddy, right there. 
Anybody else, pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, right there. Yeah. Yeah, God's moving. God's moving. It's a wonderful day. God bless you. It's a wonderful day when we confess our need for Christ. Let's pray together, church, with those that are trusting Jesus. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Can we pray this together as a church? Come on, everybody say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Man, what an incredible message today. And hey, if you are making the decision, if you said that prayer to give your life to Jesus, then we as your church family are celebrating with you. The old you is gone, the new has come. The Bible says you've been raised to new life in Christ. And we believe that this is the best decision you could ever make. Yes, and we are so excited for you as you begin this new journey. And we would love to know about it. You can let us know by clicking the link in the chat room or texting the word decision to number 822-822. And we would love to get you some resources as you start this new journey of following Jesus. Well, guys, next week, we'll be jumping into week three of our series, Hope. Again, we're so excited. We believe God still has a ton to speak to us. So let's make the commitment to stay engaged for the next four weeks of this Hope Again journey because we believe that God has big things he wants to do in your life. And listen, it's not too late to jump in to a small group. So make sure you do that. You can click the link in the chat room right now to find a small group that's just right for you. And with that, we are gonna go ahead and wrap up our time here today. We can't wait to see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week.